Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by Lines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And it's Monday, and we've got eight games to choose from. Pretty fun slate tonight in the NBA. In this one, we're taking a look at the Bucks. They are in Portland, taking on those Trailblazers. A few pretty key guys missing for the Blazers while the Bucks continue to get healthier and healthier. Uh, we're going to take a look at this one. Another fun game for you tonight. And our player props went four and two. Nice week last or on Friday and a very, very nice week last week for us on that one. So make sure to follow along, like, and subscribe to that page. Also want you to head to thelines.com. You can check out all of our great written content up there and use that odds finder tool that we have up there for you guys. Nate and I are using that every morning to make sure we're getting the best juice back on all the available odds we get, we're getting out there from us sports books. Uh, Nate, let's go ahead and jump into this eight game slate and then talk bucks and blazers. Yeah. The Celtics trying to get right or minus 11 in Detroit. That is a spot where we've seen people score a ton of points. Uh, the Cavs are on a back to back. They're minus three at Washington. Wizards been hot lately. Kuzma's out, though. Beal is questionable. Interesting one in Brooklyn after the Kyrie Irving saga has has moved on here. Uh, The Nets are plus seven and a half at home against the Clips, who, you know, never really take people seriously when they don't have big names in the lineup. Spurs plus 11 at Bulls. Tons of guys out or questionable for that one. Both sides. Kings, same thing. Minus five and a half at Houston. The Mavs now without Dinwiddie, Darian, Fiddy Smith, and Luca as they as they go through that trade, and Luca's hurt are plus ten in Utah, and so we're going to break down the last two games on this slate because they're a little more clear here. Bucks minus four at Portland. Also, we got Warriors minus four at home against the Thunder, and this total for the Bucks Blazers game is two forty two. I understand why it's so high. I'm a little intrigued by the under. But I, I think what we like more is the Bucks. Um, because I mean, it's the same idea that I'm intrigued by the idea of negative regression for Portland, which even with Damian Lillard playing probably the best ball of his career in 15 games here, uh, they're seven and eight in that span. Uh, their defense has just been abysmal. And in the last eight in particular, I think they have unsustainably good three-point shooting, 42%, hitting nearly 16 threes per game. Bucks have also kind of had unsustainable. I mean, maybe it's not unsustainable uh, because of those, their style of play because Giannis sucks in the defense so much. They're also hitting over 15 threes in these last seven, one seven straight since Giannis got back in there. Uh, and the pace has slowed down, but they're still scoring 126 a game. And won seven of their last eight against uh, against Portland here. Uh, the exception was without Giannis, which, as you might figure, no Dame either. And they won earlier this season with no Dame in the lineup. But, I mean, I think the bigger point is that this is a matchup that Giannis just knifes through. You know, we talked a lot about versus Indiana, versus Chicago, and just owning that particular team. Shooting 72% from the floor, which is what he shoots against Portland in his last three. Uh, averaging 38 points per game and is a plus 64 in those matchups. And then, yeah, so I mentioned Dame also averaging 37, incredible 140 offensive rating in these 15. All that, Josh, um, makes him a plus one in 15 games because there's just not much around him to, you know, that that is them treading water when Damian Lillard is absolutely on fire. And now he matches up with Drew Holiday, Uh, you know, maybe the toughest individual matchup for a guy like Dame. His last six head-to-head withdrew, 23 points per game, 41 from the floor, 28% from deep, and is a minus 61. Blazers also without Yusuf Nurkic, who 
has taken a lot of criticism for his individual defense, but uh, I mean, the numbers certainly indicate that they're not as good on either end without him. I mean, the defense is actually just about exactly the same, um, but they're playing at a much slower pace without him, unable to kind of get into their stuff as much. Recently, um, they've been having a ridiculously low assist rate on shooting uh, uh, on threes and, and, and you know, even with Nurk in and out of the lineup, allowing the fourth most second chance points, fifth most paint points in their last eight here. So I, I think the Bucks are going to have a lot of success here on offense, um, continuing to get good shots or to have Giannis knife through. Um, and, and that the Blazers, if Dame struggles even a little bit or regresses even a little bit, they, they're going to have a hard time keeping pace with the team that's that's now on a tear. Yep, uh, 100%. And, and actually, that's why um, it's not, not a hot take, but I did want to see what's going on here with, with some of the role players on the Blazers and how they fare when they win versus when they lose. How crucial is a guy like Anthony Simons and, and Jeremy Grant versus Dame? I mean, Dame is crucial. Dame is it, right? It starts and ends with him. You don't have him. All of this is irrelevant because this isn't even close to a playoff team. But I mean, it's close to a playoff team, but maybe not in the West this year um, where it's kind of deep. Teams are getting better. As, including the Mavericks, as you talk about with uh, getting Kyrie, we'll see if they get better. But um, I think for for this one, I'm looking at Anthony Simons. I'm looking at Jeremy Grant. What are their stats when they win, when they lose? Anthony Simons is the most glaring one. When when they win, he's scoring about six more points a game versus when they lose um, in the games that he's playing. And he's it's shooting percentages as well. Is he making his threes? Um, is he is he getting to the rim? Because he has gotten a lot better off the dribble this season. Uh, I will say as well, his catch and shoot numbers last year were really really good. This year, he's got a few better uh, numbers off the dribble, which obviously is a little bit more your turn my turn when it comes to he and dame but i think the the key here is is milwaukee in form uh, maybe they're not covering the spread the same way but they've been able to sort of get themselves right and, and really do it against teams um you know the heat and the clippers their last two games some tests that they they overcame on awful start to that Clippers game. And then Giannis decided that he was going to score more than 50 points, uh, basically in the second half. Uh, and they, they pulled back on that one. The Heat were, were missing a few guys as they are every single game, it seems like. But before that, they were able to get right in games like the Hornets, Pellies, Pacers, and the Nuggets and Pistons. Nuggets didn't have anybody playing in that game. Halliburton was still out for the Pacers in that game. My main point here is they were just able to sort of get right. And, and even though it looks ugly uh, and they've only been four and three against the spread in that last seven that they've been winning with Middleton back getting a few more minutes, um, they've at least been able to, to win those games while they're figuring things out uh, with this team and this roster as, as Middleton gets back. And they were starting to do a little bit more Milwaukee Bucks things before this seven game win streak anyway, because of the insertion of, of Joe Ingles and the increased play of Pat Connaughton, who's averaging about 32 minutes a game over the course of the last 12 games because of how much they needed him with guys in and out of the lineup. Uh, and, and those those two guys sort of taking on the Chris Middleton role, a little bit more playmaking from them and finding other guys while also just being very available to, to hit an open three off of Giannis's drives, right? And, and playing the pick and roll with him as well between Connaughton and Ingles. So my, my main point is like that guy who does what Middleton does um, it, it has been you know, in the form of Joe Ingles and Pat Connaughton in the last seven games. And now Middleton in his last uh, seven, still only averaging about 18 minutes a game. Um, but in his last three, got up above 20. Uh, so I think you can continue to expect him to, to round back into form. Uh, and, and then you just expect this team to do what it does uh, every single season when it comes to, um, you know, Giannis crashing the paint, them defending the paint, them controlling the, the, the pace exactly as they wanted at home and getting up and down. Um, and then just being a much, 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 much better defensive team as well at this point, especially with Middleton back 
Zach, who is underrated in terms of how versatile his uh, ability to guard guys, you know, big, uh, solid guys like all the players on the uh, Celtics, for instance, who are six foot eight and can control the ball. Um, so I, I think with, with all that said, you know, this is a bad spot for the, for the Blazers um, with both Nurk and Winslow out. You talk about GB2 being probable and, and he's going to be huge for them because of the defense that he's going to need to be playing. But I don't think they have enough to stop this Bucks team combined with even if Dane does get 40. Uh, I think that the, the Bucks can do enough to, to stop the, the rest of the guys on uh, this Blazers team that they would need to, to get enough points. Yeah, and without Dame, Simons really struggled in this first meeting. The Blazers shot 8 for 29 as a team, 19 assists to 15 turnovers, and their team best, plus minus, was Nurkic at minus 5. So, I I mean, you say what you will about him in certain matchups, he's definitely essential when you have a guy like Giannis and you need to build that wall down low. And the paint points differential here, um, also the rebounding differential. Like, Milwaukee's been the number one rebounding team by a mile in the last seven here. And without Nurk, I mean, they're going to be even worse. They're getting out-rebounded yeah. uh, five per game without him. And and especially lately, giving up those, those second-chance points I talked about. There's a lot of ways it can go wrong for them defensively. And for Milwaukee, it's really just, you know, containing Dame and doing a pretty good job on those that supporting cast, which is just not that dangerous um, we didn't even mention Jeremy Grant going head-to-head with Giannis. That's not a great matchup for him either. And that this is the third game in four nights for Portland. So uh, a little bit of tired legs. Yeah, I, I think you you kind of nailed it too. Like we, I was saying that the uh, the Bucks rounding into form down low and in the fast break categories uh, and the Blazers are just hemorrhaging points in the paint. They're dead last uh, in terms of uh, stopping second chance points. They're in, uh, in the bottom three in rebounding. This is all in the last 10 games. Kind of to your point, uh, without Nurk, how do you expect them to get any better at defending the paint or uh, getting those defensive rebounds where their defensive rebound percentage has just been absolutely terrible? So uh, I, I think this is, yeah, another great opportunity for, for the long arms of everybody that's on the Bucks uh, to probably have their way uh, around the basket tonight. And, and that's going to be a, pretty much the indicating factor for why they should be able to cover four points. And then the Thunder plus four right now at Golden State, total of 234 without Steph. And you asked me, am I worried about the Thunder having the best record against the spread as dogs? And I think I would be if they weren't, you know, I think that that impacts the line so much at this point that, the, you know, oh, the Thunder routinely covering. So they set this almost to the point that, like, the Thunder are favored, in my opinion. Like, you shouldn't be only plus four at Golden State unless you're a really competitive team that's expected to go in there and really give the the champs a run for their money. And, it, I mean, Steph in or out, it, whatever. It's the home road splits is the bigger deal for Golden State. It's just the energy – in the building, the energy they're going to be able to bring off the bench with their with their superior depth here. Um, the last three at home, lighting it up per usual. Uh, I mean, since they collapsed against Brooklyn, actually lost a few in a row at home. And, but now they're averaging 123 with 35 assists, hitting 15 threes at over 42%. Sure, Steph has a lot to do with that. Uh, but, you know, you still got Poole and Clay, who I, I think you can definitely target both of their props in this spot. <clears throat> And expect them to just kind of make that Thunder defense stretch a little bit. And that Thunder defense is really good. I mean, on the road this season, fifth in three-point defense, fifth in transition D, number one assist to turnover ratio, but vulnerable down low. I mean, they've got that revolving door at center. They don't really yeah. have any rim protection. They're, they're dead last in free throw attempts allowed on the road, 21st in paint points. 
So, I mean, the Warriors have made a living for a decade off getting getting defenses to overcommit to the three-point line. Uh, even without Steph, they can do that. And then they can they can get down low and get, and get their easy points. But what I, I, I mean, and you look at Thunder's recent meetings in Golden State, I mean, a lot of these were a long time ago. But 92 points per game on just awful splits, uh, you know, got pummeled on the boards. The last one was with actually with SGA. They didn't have him for those first two, and they were just shamelessly tanking in 2021. He struggled a bit, and then they met a week ago in OKC. Golden State, again, yeah, lit them up in terms of 37 assists, 23s. SGA tried to keep his team in it, 31, but below 50% field goal shooting. Uh, five turnovers was a team worse minus 15 when he went on the floor. So that to me indicates that Golden State, I mean, all year they, when, when the other team has a guy, especially if it's in Golden State, that guy is going to perform below expectations uh, because Draymond is the coach on the floor because they have pretty good personnel. They got wigs back now too. Right. So, I mean, they've got guys to throw at SGA to make it difficult and, as good as Giddy's played lately, I mean, OKC does not really have much beyond that. And the big advantage here is the fourth quarter and the, and, and clutch stats. And, and yeah, if I'm worried about the Warriors covering four, I think I will. I would feel much better when I see this fourth quarter start to unfold and they just maybe pull away, win by seven or eight. Because, I mean, the Thunder are 28th in offensive rating in the clutch. Uh, and and dead last in net rating in their last five clutch games, dead last in offensive rating, uh, you know, negative 15 net on the road on the season and allowing the eighth mo- uh, most points per game in the fourth quarter overall. So I, I think Golden State at home, there's little chance they don't pull away for this one. I think it's fair. Um, I, I like it. Yeah, I, I think the, the the best logic that that I've heard for it is is this is the 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 trends against the spread and and what OKC is able to do as dogs, whether they're at home or on the road this season. They've got the best record as dogs wherever they're playing. Um, the, like you said, it's it's not based on a three four point spread. It's not the type of situation that you take OKC in and feel a little bit better about them. Um, Wiggins being back is huge. He's had to guard their best player. There's a reason he's still playing 32 minutes a game in the last four since he's been back while still only averaging like 11 points per game for a guy that they need to score a lot more because he's guarding the best player for all 32 minutes that he's on the floor uh, each and every time in in those last four games. As we saw, uh, he would have, would have guarded Luca uh, if he had to, but you know, guarding Ant against the uh, the T Wolves, and even in, in that Thunder game, um, spending most of his time on SGA and, and a few you know minutes here and there on Josh Giddy, but he, he's definitely needed for SGA is the, the combination of size and strength that you know is needs to and, and speed obviously um, to be able to stay in front of a guy like SGA and keep him out of the paint um, because if he gets into the paint against this team, there's really there's no help coming. Uh, James Wiseman has been getting a few more minutes. Um, I'm not, I mean, 16 and a half. Uh, in the last four games, he's played once uh, and he got 16 minutes in that uh, really ugly game versus the uh, Nuggets that they got blown out in despite Steph playing in it. So there's there's nothing down there for them. And, and Draymond, while he has been um, a, a bit better, as you said, captaining the defense, it's not it's not there for him in terms of, uh, you know, getting those rebounds necessarily and, and being uh, someone who comes in and, and blocks shots. That hasn't been his M.O. Uh, I think the thing that you can, you know, the thing that you can do against the Thunder is, you know, occasionally make some threes, at least on the road. They have a decent opponent 
opponent three point percentage, but you can still get those off uh, and make them. And that's, you know, really what it comes down to for the dubs, especially at home um, without Steph, obviously a few, like a little bit worse uh, in the key places that are, you know, that dubs basketball really is, which is three pointers and assists, but three, three less assists a game in the 15 games that Steph has not played about a, uh, th- one and a half threes fewer made when Steph's not in the game. Uh, Pool, while he you know just skyrockets in terms of his stats, twenty eight points a game versus the seventeen when Steph is in there. Six more minutes, a thirty six percent usage versus twenty six when Steph is in there. I st- he's his his splits are still bad. He, he's not shooting well when Steph's not on the floor. He's just shooting a ton more. Uh, so it doesn't necessarily make him efficient. It's just that they're at th- at that point. You know he's been the offense, and also like I said, Wiggs has only been back for a few uh, in the last four in which they played what one home game in that last four, uh, those last four games that they played. So not much to, to go on there. I think they're going to be a lot better at home. Their last three at home where they beat Dallas, Noluka, Toronto, and Memphis, um, you know, the, the clutch numbers for them were, were great in those games. And then they've been, you know, they were good against the Thunder as well. But at home, um, 10 and four in these games where they get into clutch time with the six best net rating and a 95 defensive rating. So they are able to clamp up a bit at the end of games when they need to and sort of take things seriously. Um, I, I'm scared of a, of a total here, Nate, because I, I could see it going under if, if um, but I, I feel actually a, a lot more like it would go over. Um, I'm just not quite as confident that the reason I think it would go over is if the, the dubs start turning the ball over, to be honest. And, and that's what the, uh, the the Thunder do the best on the road. They force the most turnovers to their opponent. Um, and then they get there and obviously in the top five as a result in, in second or um, uh, fast break points and off of turnovers as well, where that's what the dubs do, right? We've just seen them do stupid thing after stupid thing. Steph Curry's been in this league long enough now, but still making the same level turnovers at the end of games at times that, I mean, I know he's not playing, but I'm just saying he's emblematic of the team um, in the way that they, you know, the, the way that they sort of turn the ball over in, in really poor moments. And that's, that's how teams stay close to them. But in that in, in that clutch time that we've been talking about at home, that's where they've been limiting those turnovers, limiting teams uh, getting their, their fast break points and points off turnovers. So if the Thunder aren't going to do that and they're not able to get in transition and the Dubs do get back a bit better, um, then I think you, you like their half-court defense at home versus the Thunder a little bit more than if they were on the road where they just hemorrhage points. So like you said, I think you just believe the Dubs. It's almost like Steph being out isn't necessarily as big of a deal for this game, but it, it does help us get that spread down to basically below four where I feel comfortable taking them at home against almost anybody at this point. They just beat the the, the Grizzlies at home uh, covering this spread without Steph, right? So I, I think you feel good enough about their ability to do that against the Thunder here. Yeah, I mean, they've been a really weird team even when Steph is out or in, you know, when their entire starting lineup's out, they beat Cleveland right, right after, you know, collapsing against Brooklyn with Steph in there. So yeah, yeah I think that's why you can kind of capitalize on this being a smaller spread. What you said about the total, yeah, I mean, this could go either way in a really stark direction. Uh, you know, the the Thunder, it's a front end of a back-to-back. They got the Lakers tomorrow. They could pack it in, and they might not get to clutch time. They've gone under in five straight road games. Their offense is far, far worse on the road. Yeah. Whereas Golden State's much, much better at home um, and tends to play at that faster pace. So, I, I it's it's you know when we talk about this and we always seem to go back to I like the the Warriors team total I like you know I like them to score and the other team not to score it's like yeah obviously just take the spread at that point right there's there's a lot of scenarios where the Warriors can win this game by more than four or five points yeah exactly with with different styles of play uh and different sort of um key you know key stats that they're honing in on like those fast break points and three point shots and assists and all that so i think we'll be talking a bit about some player props from this one in that video you're listening to the lines.com podcast network looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top u.s sports books all in one place 
then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Stephen Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Nate, let's go ahead and jump into our first player prop, a guy we talked about in that Dubs video, Jordan Poole. Yeah, I don't know if I'm being a little bit of a fish chasing Poole more than Clay Thompson here. Uh, but I mean, Clay was really thriving off that pairing with Steph. With Poole, it's just a humongous rise in usage rate when there's no Steph. They ask him to really slot into that playmaking role, uh, initiating the offense and moving off the ball. I mean, you, you don't see this much. A 26% usage rate goes up to 36%. And, the, and points per game from 17.5 to 28 without Steph this season. Um, and, you know, his last eight, he's a plus 38. He's averaging 28.5 without Steph. So for 23 and a half points, I mean, where the odds are good, you might have to go up one more at FanDuel, but MGM has pretty much even odds at 23 and a half. Or I think you can tack on five assists um, to get 28 and a half points assists because he has struggled shooting the ball against OKC. And I I really respect their defense and and how they match up against Poole is why maybe you do want to look at Clay and his 24 and a half points or his threes. Uh, but he's Poole is still getting six assists per game, and that's you know with Steph in there for most of those matchups against OKC yeah. in his last four. So, but again, at home, the Warriors more energy, uh, more more pace, more stats, and that's why his last twelve at home, twenty nine points per game, also pretty good peripherals, five rebounds, five assists, um, and turning the ball over as well. So I mean, I think you can really look at a lot of things here. With Poole, I mean, I think his turnover prop is three and a half, uh, but you you could take the over on that. I don't think you're getting much juice. I'm just going to lean on the points. I think he gets to at least 24 here, even though he hasn't really done that against OKC. Yeah, it's a situation. I don't love the assist just because he doesn't really increase those at all when Steph's not in there. Um, it is a lot more of, I mean, look, it's a situation where the the, the, the position that they occupy is the one that gets the majority of the shots. It's the one that, you know, their pos- like the position that Steph plays is sure it's point guard, shooting guard, whatever you want to call it, bring the ball down sometimes, not sometimes. But like the point is, is he's the focal point. He can shoot it whenever he wants. He could bring it down, come off a screen and shoot it right away if he wants. That's a part of their offense. That's actually kind of option number one for Steph. Uh, and Jordan Poole comes in and occupies that same exact position with a similar style of play to Steph as it's only gotten more and more similar since he's been in the league with Steph. And I think it's another good opportunity for just the points is really what I'm looking at. He doesn't really even get better at shooting threes necessarily. He's just volume, volume, volume with a ton more shots per game and all that. So uh, I, I think the, the points are easy enough at 23 and a half. It, it is fishy. You're totally right. Uh, it's just, look, he's averaging 28 and a half, you know, without Steph. So if he can get four less than that and, and still, you know, be pretty, be pretty good in a game that should have a decent amount of points and pace. So uh, I'm going to a guy here that we always love to talk about last year's MVP of this show and player props, DeMar DeRozan, uh, a guy who I also is 
slightly rumored right now could be on the move if uh, a team like Brooklyn was actually interested in maintaining uh, their season this year. But 26.5 points, minus 108 on FanDuel. You might throw in the rebounds, 30.5 points and rebounds combined. It's just four more rebounds for him. Uh, but that's minus 120 on DK there, a little bit worse than the odds of just the points. Um, while he's been a little bit worse at home, he is on the road for this one. Um, and I think you can feel a little bit better with him playing on the road. 30 points a game over his last four roadies, uh, f- about five boards and five assists on 58% from the field. Really good shooting from him. And then 28% usage. It's a little bit of that revenge narrative if you still want to talk about it with DDR, DeMar playing against the, the Spurs who are probably the worst defensive team in the last few years. Uh, definitely this year, three games versus the Spurs with Chicago, 35 a game for DeMar, five and a half assists on 61% from the field and a 32% usage rate. I'm sure they're happy to continue letting him cook uh, against this team tonight. And I think he's definitely putting his skills on display for potentially not being a Chicago bull either this year or, or next. You say that. I think Zach Levine is actually more likely to get moved though. Uh, I mean, it, yeah, it's 50, 50. So, but Levine, I mean, both those guys have been surprisingly inconsistent. The Bulls as a team have been surprisingly inconsistent all year. So DeRozan has not been our MVP. Uh, He's been, you know, really fluctuating a lot more than last year where he had that record streak of 30-point games, etc. But I think this is a spot where you can do whatever you want against the Spurs. I mean, they, they also have a ton of guys questionable, including Kelton Johnson, who would probably match up on DeRozan. Uh, so keep an eye on that. And if they do have to rule out some wings, uh, then expect DeRozan to teach, you know, rookie Malachi Brandham a, a few things here tonight. Probably. Um, targeting maybe the other, the worst defense in the East, if the Spurs are the worst in the West. And and Jalen Brown with the Celtics, 26 and a half points is nearly even money. I uh, think you can tack on the rebounds if you like, 32 and a half at minus 110. And the Celtics offense is sputtering without Marcus Spart. It's been a bit chaotic, and Jalen Brown thrives in chaos. I mean, he is the guy who says, all right, we're not running anything. Just give me the ball. I'm going to take this mid-range shot and Holy. and probably make it. His last eight without Smart, he's averaging nearly 28 points per game and eight rebounds and three assists, uh, 30.6% usage rate, hitting three and a half threes. His last four against Detroit, 27.5 points on a 34% usage rate. So Detroit is a team that that does not guard the paint. They are giving up the most paint points in the last 15 for them. Uh, third most points per game to shooting guards on the season. Jalen being an oversized shooting guard who can just bully his way right to the rim. And there's no line of defense here. I, I think he will get these points as long as the game remains competitive. Enough for him to get 30, 34 minutes at least. Yeah. No, I feel it. I mean, it's it's not my favorite of our picks, as I told you, just because it is close to what he's doing. I fear a little bit of the uh, the blowout factor as well in here. Um, but if there's a guy that's going to get his before, you know, needing to come out of the game because they're up by too much, I, I would also agree with Jalen, the way he's playing against his team. Um, just like I said, this is the one uh, that's my least confident of these four for sure. Uh, but just it's, you know, it's a situation where you're playing, like you said, the worst defense in the East. So even if he is going to come out uh, because they're blowing this team out, it's likely that it'll be because he's already got his his props. So uh, let's finish things off here with poor Zingas and an under for our big man on Washington who's playing against a bunch of really good big men on Cleveland tonight. So under 24 and a half points for him. It's only minus 120 on DK. Um, but if you want to add the rebounds in there, 32 and a half, that's minus 105 um, to go under on those. I think both are pretty fair. You could probably expect a somewhat slower game and less offense, especially with 
uh, Kuzma out. Bradley Beal questionable for this team. Um, and in his last four versus the Cavs for Zinger, 15 and a half points per game and eight boards. Um, still hitting about 2.83s at 47 and a half percent, probably because it's a lot easier for him to score out there than have to go in against Mobley and Jared Allen by the time he gets into the paint. Uh, so that would make a little bit of sense, but still the less than, you know, 16 points per game in those last four versus Cleveland. Um, and he's only played once without Kuz this season, 21 points, four boards in a game versus the Celtics, uh, 28% usage rate and only 26 minutes though, in a blowout loss in that one. Um, and then, you know, Cleveland is just very, very good on defense. As we said, in their last four, they have the best defensive rating. They've only been allowing 103.8 points per game and 44 rebounds to their opponents with a 95 pace, uh, in those road games as well. Uh, and they are allowing the third fewest points per game to centers, the sixth fewest rebounds to centers, unsurprisingly, uh, as that's where the, the, you know, strength of their defense is. So I, I think it's a good opportunity to go under for uh, Porzingis tonight. Yeah. I mean, I guess he might play the four more and Gafford might play center, but, and, and Cleveland has given up decent production to power forwards, but decent is not like blow up for 25 points. Uh, I think this line is juke too much by the fact that maybe both Kuz and Beal are sitting and then Porzingis is the focal point of your offense. Well, then he's also the focal point of the top defense and top interior defense. So I, exactly. I think it's a good opportunity to go under on his scoring here. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally with that with, against that Cavs defense for sure. So that is all the time we have for you guys in this one. Make sure to like and subscribe to that page. We're looking to stay wicked hot with you guys on these player props. So until we see you next, happy betting. Stop, 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 stop.